You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. COVID has been so devastating. And to see 38,000 people at Fenway Park, it was really emotional and rewarding. On the business side, from ticket sales to jersey sales, revenues were up. Everything was really good. It was a really solid year. I realized that at the beginning of 2019, it would be a very unique opportunity in terms of a lot of contracts being up at the same time and a lot of exciting young wrestlers being available to go out and start a wrestling company. The country is finally Deeply getting the memo about how amazing this sport is. I think the sky's the limit for MLS. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Foo. And I'm Mike Lynch. And coming up today, Lynchy loves this because this is all about golf. We speak <laughs> about professional golfers Michelle Wee West and Bubba Watson. You've heard of him. Two <laughs> masters. That's straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports show. But first, let's look at some of the top stories of the week. And Aaron Rodgers still in the news. Uh, He tried to clean up all the mess that happened when he went back on the Pat McAfee show. Listen. And I also know how sports can be such a uh, a connector and bring people together in times of adversity. And I do realize that I am a role model to a lot of people. And so I just wanted to start off the show by acknowledging that, you know, I made some comments that, that people might have uh, felt were misleading. And, uh, you know, to anybody who felt misled by those comments, I take full responsibility for those comments. And I'm excited about feeling better. I'm excited about moving forward and hopefully getting back with my team and getting back to doing what I do best, and that's playing ball. Now, in case anybody has not heard what happened, Aaron Rodgers, of course, he caught COVID uh, after a lot of people thought he was vaccinated, but he used the phrase back in August, yeah, I'm immunized. And everybody thought for the most part, oh, okay, you're good to go. And then he caught COVID. And then we find out that he was not vaccinated. And then he was fine. The Packers were fined. Now, that cost him a lot of sponsorship, but at least like a good neighbor, State Farm is still there because they're going to stand by him. But he lost Previa Health. It dropped him. What does this mean now for him going forward and other athletes who don't get vaxxed? Well, you know, even though State Farm supported him, they said Aaron Rodgers has been a great ambassador for our company for much of the past decade. Uh, There have been uh, checks on how often the State Farm ads featuring Rodgers were shown. They were actually shown far less over the weekend than they had been in the prior two weekends. So 
the company is saying one thing, but its actions may be showing otherwise. Well, I understand the the, the Previo thing. They're a healthcare uh, outfit in the state of. They're based in, in Green Bay, and they have uh, a number of facilities throughout the state of Wisconsin. And they have a mandate that all their healthcare workers need to be vaccinated. So, if they stay with Aaron Rodgers, it would be quite hypocritical. So, I understand that State Farm. I think did the right thing. They made a statement. They stood by him. Uh, he wasn't arrested. He didn't commit a crime. Uh, he didn't assault anyone. Uh, he simply made a choice. Um, and so I, I, I applaud State Farm for not just uh, overreacting and, uh, and and cutting them loose. But they are reacting in that they're airing they his are. commercials a lot less. So they are. That, yep. that tells you that speaks volumes. It does. It's basically, okay, here's a, here's a little reminder, Aaron, that, uh, you know, let's get, get back in line. So, you know, uh, it wasn't too too long after that where he went on. And we said in the last time we talked on the show that I'm sorry goes a long way. And he went on the Pat McAfee show, and he was uh, quite repentant. And, and, I, and I bought it. Well, and, and you said something also, and it's very important, and, and both of you all mentioned it. First of all, he did not commit a, a heinous crime when I'm talking about, uh, you know, killing somebody or this, that, whatever. In fact, there have been other players that have been in the news that have done that. Uh, so he didn't do that, uh, and it wasn't illegal what what he's doing. And, and let's put it in the most important perspective. He has COVID, and he's a human being, and I wish him well, and I hope he recovers from what happened. Uh, it, it, now it brings me to the other side. Has the entire news and sports industry overreacted to the Aaron Rodgers story? I don't think so because think he, was, so he was putting a lot of people at risk. Um, just take the simple act of a huddle, which 11 helmets get in to hear one quarterback calling a play, and they're in there for about 15 seconds, and they're in close proximity, and he's talking without a mask, uh, and we all know how COVID is spread. It's spread you know, orally and by, by speaking and breathing and exhaling. And, and not to mention um, his his association sitting on an airplane sitting on a bus being in a close quarters in a locker room so he put a lot of people who are complicit because uh, staff members and coaches have to be vaccinated uh put them at risk right he doesn't have to be vaccinated but then he has to follow protocol he didn't do that that's an issue going forward he has obviously antibodies now to COVID. Does he get vaccinated? If he doesn't, then he needs to follow protocol. So what does that mean for his press conferences? What does that mean for his workout on in the Green Bay facilities? What does that mean for how he uh, just handles himself on the field and in the locker room? He was fined, Aaron Rodgers, $14,650 by the NFL because he violated, like you said, Scarlett, the NFL's COVID-19 protocols. Now, Dallas... Well, let's, Cow- let's mention also, though, that the Green Bay Packers, what they were 300, fined, 300000 yeah. yeah. Both of those relatively are a drop in the bucket. However, Dallas Cowboys wide receiver CeeDee Lamb, <laughs> he's been fined nearly $50,000 this season, has nothing to do with COVID. It's for uniform violations... And then he waved after his walk-off winning touchdown against the New England Patriots. Now, whoa. <laughs> I mean, wait a minute. It's $14,650 compared to what Aaron Rodgers makes. That's like getting fined $33 or so because he makes tens of millions of dollars per season. CeeDee Lamb, 
whoa, what, what, what's going on here, Scarlett? What was fascinating to me was when different people asked C.D. Lamb about it, whether this annoyed him. He said, annoy me? Nah. Confuse me a lot? Very much so. <laughs> well, that, that was the number that was put out by the National Football League for noncompliance with COVID-19 protocols, $14,650. Now, uh, in case people don't know, the National Football League has what is called uh, in slang – of uniform police at every single stadium at every single game there was a player a former player on each sideline with a clipboard and he goes around and makes sure players have their socks pulled up and their jerseys tucked in now some quarterbacks have special jerseys made that aren't made to tuck in but they're sort of like the untuck it brand they come right to the to the waistline of, of the pants so it doesn't look sloppy like it's and hanging out and so um he was. Uh, he didn't have his socks pulled up one time. He didn't have his shirt tucked in another time, and it keeps adding up and adding up. And so, for somebody that just, you know, was focusing on getting the ball into the end zone and forgot to pull his uh, socks up to his uh, kneecap, you're right. It is. It is confusing to uh, quote C.D. Lamb. And does does Aaron Rodgers get fined just once, or does he get fined every time this happens? Every time. So the fourteen thousand six hundred fifty could be times. Five times six could be well. The investigation is, uh, you know, they 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 will be looking at um, each and every instance. Yeah, well, in every and like every business now, in almost every home, there are security cameras in in mm-hmm. hallways and rooms, and they're going to look and see if he has gone into rooms with the coach and the other quarterbacks, which he's not supposed to do. Has mm-hmm. he gone into the cafeteria? Has he gone into the weightlifting room? And if he has, the, this, this fine could be heavier. For it could be more. They could say, okay, six times, Aaron, you did this, and then he'll get whacked another fourteen thousand six hundred fifty. Now, I didn't know this. We we talk about C. D. Lamb. He was fine. $5,150 for having his jersey untucked during a September 27th game. And then he got fined more than $15,000. Again, the same violation against the Carolina Panthers the following week. Now, if he has another penalty like that, he's going to face a $46,000 plus fine. Now, that that's a lot of money just for having your shirt untucked. I mean, what if you're on a play... And, of course, somebody, you know, grabs you and this and that, whatever. And now the shirt's untucked, and it's like, hey, hmm. what are you going to do? It's <laughs> that that bug. Go appeal to the uniform police, basically. Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing that I just looked up, um, the fines that are collected, do we know where that money goes? It goes to the NFL Foundation to assist legends in need. So, uh, basically – a foundation that provides medical, emotional, and financial assistance to former NFL players, the retired players. Now, that's about the only good thing of the story <laughs> that I like. <laughs> oh, you know this guy. PGA Tour golfer Bubba Watson. He has won two Masters, and he also has a new book out, and I hope you get a chance to read it. Bubba, thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is awesome. This is one of those stupid questions because I ask a lot of them. You know, I, I can't help it. What is it like to win the Masters? Not once, but twice. Yeah, so winning the first Masters uh, was a dream come true. But, I, you know, I, personally, I felt like it could be a fluke. Um, and then the downfall afterwards of the energy lost of doing all the different things with sponsors and and family. I adopted my son two weeks before I won the Masters in 2012. So winning the Masters in 14, um, it was more of a, a pride thing for myself where I, I proved to myself I could actually win it, uh, win it a second time proved how, how my work was paying off and 
and all those things. So, I mean, winning is a dream come true. You can't, there's nothing else in sports like it. Um, putting on a green jacket, um, I, I never liked green so much. And so winning it twice, it was a, an honor and a privilege to uh, put that green jacket on and, and always be known as a master's champion and a two-time master's champion. Yeah, you join a very elite club in doing so. At the same time, as you achieved all these things that you wanted to throughout your life, the weight of that success was was weighing down on you. Um, people would think that you achieved everything, but there was something else going on. What prompted you to, to kind of take a step back and take stock of what was happening? Well, um, I, I think that we all know life is hard and trying to achieve my goal of being master's champion, trying to the best player I could possibly be. be um, you know, I, I missed out, um, started focusing on some of the negatives. I focused on, um, you know, not getting enough sleep. I focused on not uh, training the right way or practicing enough. I started watching the world rankings. I started watching where I was on the FedEx Cup. I started watching um, who they were talking about and what they were talking about, uh, about me, negative or positive about me. And it, it was taking me down a dark hole. Um, with that being said, now that now bring that off a golf course, that, that leads over to my marriage, uh, leads over to me being a parent, leads over to me being a friend, where I'm just not really present. Um, you know, you, you, you're so focused on the, this identity. I put the ad- identity of a golfer on me. And that's not who I am. It's just what I do for a living. Um, and so I just, it took me down a, a dark, a dark hallway, um, dark road. And, um, I missed the boat on a lot of things, uh, a lot of things in my life that I missed the boat on and I needed to get better at. And winning the masters, um, once and then twice, you, you, you um, uh, you think that's it. You're at the cream of the crop. You're at the top of the list. Uh, but then Monday happens and you're like, well, that didn't feel anything. That, that just makes it darker because hmm. you got to do it again. Um, and so, yeah, it was a, it was a, it's a tough road trying to be, I mean, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. It's a tough road. If you're trying to, if all you're seeking is to be better at your job, um, you know, it's, it's a lonely road doing that. In the book, you, you detail how you went from 210 pounds down to 162 and there was nothing physically wrong with you, according to your doctors. And, it was pretty much all what you've just been talking about. What, why, why have you gone public with this um, and sharing sharing this 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 dark side of, of, of your experience? It's a great question. Um, you know, for me to come out, I, I basically the, my lowest point was 2017, and um, for me to be better as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a friend. Um, I, I had to voice it. It was eating, it was basically eating me alive inside. Um, I don't drink, I don't smoke. Um, so, you know, I was, I was basically, my body was healthy except mentally was, was eating me alive. And, um, so I had to get off my knees, like it says in the first chapter of the book. And I went to my wife who was in the kitchen that day and I just, uh, I just started talking to her about everything. I said, I, I can't live like this anymore. I have to voice this. And so voicing it to my wife, so me and my wife's relationship could be where it needs to be uh, to create a strong marriage. Uh, and then 
being able to voice that to my own kids, even though they're young, I had to voice it to them. And it's freeing. It, it freed me up. And then when this pandemic hit, I was like, you know what? We're sitting here. Let's do something positive in this world. And so I wanted to share. I wanted to share my my issues or my thoughts and let people hear it and maybe inspire one or two people. And, you know, hopefully they, they realize that life is hard and, and they get my story and they can relay it to their lives. But the, the freeing of the of voice in it is really what, what changed my life, being able to tell people about it and not, not cringe or try to go hide again. Um, is the part that was so great, and I believe that it would help somebody else if they if they uh, communicate better with somebody in their lives. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. We're talking with two-time master champion Bubba Watson, and he has a new book out, Up and Down, Victories and Struggles in the Course of Life. And more about that book, It, in general, about the mental health and wellness of not just you, but many athletes out there. And that's something we're seeing, especially within the past year and a half, of people coming out, the top athletes saying, hey, I have to look out for my mental health. Can you expand more on that? Yes, um, I think this day and age of, commercialism, um, also social media. People can um, hide behind a, a fake name and and call you out or, or say something that's not true. And it, eat, it eats at you. We all, words hurt. Um, and we all want love. We all want respect. And we're out there trying, we're entertainers. Athletes are entertainers. But a bigger picture on this is, for me, is, is the people that are really doing things like um, – Doctors, military men and women, nurses, teachers, uh, police, firemen. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are going through some tough things and they're trying to save lives or help lives or teach people. Um, so I think this is just, we have the platform, athletes have the platform and we're just now starting to use it because we are having some issues and life is, life can lead you down a dark road. You can start doing negative, negative things um, and you think that's helping you, but it's really hurting you. Um, so we just want to share. I think athletes are now to the point where they're, we're the platform. We have the microphone where we can help other people, not only athletes, but people around the world. Um, anybody, anybody that's listening that, that thinks they um, truly do um, want a better life and, and let go of the stuff that's in their head. So I want to follow up on that and ask a little bit about athletes' relationship with the media. And I'm thinking about Naomi Osaka, who had said that she did not want to participate in press conferences um, after the French Open because it was 
too much and she wanted to focus on her game. When you heard that, what did you think? I, I, I felt sorry for her because um, I, I know exactly what she's talking about. I think every athlete is, is dealing with it. Some on surface um, look like they're dealing with it better than others. Uh, but, I mean, when you get a microphone stuck in your face every single day, I mean, you know, I'm just going to take a guess. <laughs> y'all, y'all feel the same way. There are certain days you just don't feel like going to work, or there are certain days you just don't feel your best. Whatever that reason, it doesn't matter. I mean, life, life problems, you didn't sleep very well, the food wasn't that great the night before. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, you, you have a rough day. And then when you're training all day to, to – to be an entertainer for the world, uh, it's not easy. And then you're going to ask questions that don't apply anything to my life. Um, it's about somebody else or, or about some politics going on in the world. It's like, look, I'm just an entertainer. I'm just trying to make you smile, make you get away from politics. That's what that's what sports is about. Or the questions try to nitpick and, at your problems too, right? Asking you to... Right. And that's what I'm saying. So, yes, you're right. 100%. And so you, you're we're looking at this and it's like, I just want to play golf. You know, that's my goal is to play golf and try to be the best. And, and whatever that sport is or whatever that entertainment is um, as a celebrity, when you get a microphone in your face every single day, it's not easy. I mean, I'm not educated enough to, to answer some of these serious questions uh, correctly. Hey, Bubba, um, I, I'm a golfer, and we all know that golf, about 90% of it is between the ears, what happens on the golf course. After you revelation for yourself and this sort of uh, this seminal moment here has golf become more fun for you good question yes 100 percent um and and the reason why though is is now i'm doing it because my son is nine years old and he's starting to get into it he's starting to get into sports my daughter says she wants to be a golfer like daddy Mm -hmm. true or not i mean that's what she's saying because she knows she can go to the golf course with me. We can get snacks from the drink cart. You know, I mean, there's things that we're doing. And and just because it's more fun for me and my family doesn't mean I'm going to play better golf professionally. Um, because, you know, times change. As a, as a single man in the, in the 20s, you worked hard at your game. You had nothing else to do. And then as you get married and then you have kids, your perspective on life, your perspective on your sport change. Uh, sometimes you know, it takes away from your practice and, and your uh, grind. Uh, but, yes, golf is so much more fun now, knowing that my kids are watching more, they understand it more, and they want to do it. Bubba, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, it, it, and you're right. Anytime you get a microphone shoved in you or when you got to talk in this stupid thing like I'm doing right here, sometimes you just don't feel like going to work. And it, it's – but – like you said, you're an entertainer, and and our job here is to to give information, and uh, you do a great job with that uh, in what you do for a living. But I would like to ask something else, uh, and this has to do with your business interests because you've got a lot outside. You've got uh, part ownership of the AA Pensacola Blue Wahoos baseball team. You have a car dealership, a candy store. You got a driving range. What's that all about? <laughs> it, 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 it shows that my mind is everywhere. Um, <laughs> it, it really, it's just things that I love. I've, I've bought a lot of cars in my day. Um, I've, I've eaten a lot of candy in my day, and I love, <laughs> who doesn't love 
minor league baseball. I mean, the excitement <laughs> of the different acts that come to the minor league baseball games. We have a roach run. That all the kids get to run across in the fifth inning. They get to run across the field to the other side, chasing a, a costume roach. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we, it's just, if you look at this, these are all things that I love to do. Um, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's been fun. And it, my business is, it's, my businesses are things that I, I enjoy, um, things that I actually want to learn about and, and get to know. And, and so it, it's, it's not going to be like I'm going to own a bunch of buildings and just take rent checks. I mean, it's things that I actually want to be involved in and do and, and, and I have a passion for. Hey, Bubba, I got to ask you what's going on with this um, new golf league that Greg Norman is is going to serve as the commissioner of. Um, they're hoping to begin play in 2022. It's backed by Saudi Arabia. Do you see a need for this? Um, that's a great question. Um, do you see a need for this? Uh, you know, I mean, there's a candy shop right down the street from my candy shop. So competition is always good, right? It pushes <laughs> our employees. It pushes our, our products to be better. Um, you know, I, I, I don't a need is a strong word, but I don't know much about it. But, you know, Greg Norman has a passion for the game of golf. He's had this passion since, what, the middle of the 90s. I think he tried to start a world tour or, or talk about a world tour. Um, so, and I heard it wasn't that many people, maybe 50 people or something, 48 people. So, you know, I mean, it's not really taken away from the PGA Tour, but I don't know. I don't know all the rules and regulations. I don't know everything about it yet. I mean, just like the public doesn't know either, right? Yeah, it's pretty so, vague so far. Uh, right, exactly. So, and I mean, they're not calling me every day. You know what I'm saying? So I don't really know <laughs> the uh, the ins and outs of it yet. So, uh, Bubba, uh, next year, the uh, uh, new rule coming in, they're shortening the uh, the driver length from 48 to 46 inches. Uh, is there anybody other than somebody like me who's uh, a, a bordering senior player that's happy about this? <laughs> um, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't really think, I, the only one I can think of off the top of my head was um, Bryson DeChambeau and, well, I think about Phil Mickelson. You said Champions Tour player, so um, yeah, <laughs> Phil Mickelson. Um, those were the two that were tinkering with a, a longer driver, like a 48-inch. Um, I'm, I've never even played a 45-inch driver, so you know I don't think there's that many people. Where they're more focused on accuracy than length, um, but there's only you know there's always going to be a couple that try it and tinker with it. But I don't really think it's going to affect the tour at all, or you know we're not even nobody's even phased by it. Yeah, it's hard to hit a 48-inch. I, I did it at a charity event this year, and it, it's hard to whip that thing around. Yeah, the timing has to be just right for sure. Yeah. yeah. I can't even handle a putter. That's how bad I am. <laughs> Bubba, Bubba Watson, two-time Masters champ. Uh, is that with his new book, Up and Down, Victories and Struggles in the Course of Life? came out uh, just a few days ago. Please, folks, go out and get it because it's a very good read. And it's one of those reads you'll probably polish it off in a couple of nights. Bubba Watson, thank you so much for joining the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We appreciate hey, it. Hey, hey, Bubba, I want to ask you one final question. We're going to end on a nice, light, happy note. <laughs> yeah. That shot you made in 2012 in the playoff <laughs> is the greatest shot in the history of golf. And every time I go out with my buddies and we're a little bit in the woods, they just say, pull a Bubba Watson, just just snap hook it around the corner and knock it within 10 feet. In all your times back since 2012 in practice rounds, have you ever tried that shot again? So I, I, I took some buddies to play golf at Augusta, and um, 
I, I walked over there to show him the shot, and the closest caddy had a right-handed set of clubs. So the only other time I've hit it, it was a nine iron, but a right-handed nine iron, and I flipped it over and hit it left-handed. So I, I've done it one other time, just did it for the fun of it because I was with some buddies. But um, that's the only time I, I tried it again. And um, but I still show it off when I take buddies to play Augusta. Wait, that um, sounds like two for two, then, right? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter the result, but it was pretty good. <laughs> the greatest <laughs> shot in the history of golf. That's a lot like the Tom Watson story, where he makes the incredible shot. At, I believe it was at the Masters, wasn't it? No, at Pebble. At Pebble, Pebble. at Pebble. Pebble, Pebble. Yep. And and he said, and they tried to duplicate it again, and he couldn't duplicate it. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do it again. You already did it once. <laughs> Bubba, thank you, sir. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you all for having me. Thanks so Thanks, much. Bubba. Thank you, Bubba. Take care. Thanks. That was really neat to talk to Bubba Watson. Uh, it, you know, you get the perspective when you get a, a pro athlete at that level of the game and you realize, well, pretty much a lot of the folks, Scarlett, have that same level, the same skills, and it, it comes down to the gray matter uh, of your trying at. to sort your life. Yeah, yeah, where your head is at. and. Clearly, he had a lot going on for him and and with him, and it started to manifest itself in different ways. Um, One part of his book that really stuck out at me was how he talked about how he was losing weight rapidly, um, and people would go up to him and say, you look great. What's going on? You look great. And when, in fact, everything inside suggested he wasn't feeling great, he was under extreme anxiety and stress, and it was kind of eating him alive. And Lynchy, I love the question you asked about, is golf fun again? Because golf was killing him, mm. but by talking about it and, and putting it out there, he's able to reconnect with the game that he, he loves and that he's devoted his life to. Well, he hit the pause button in 2017 and said, it's just eating him alive. And he just went to his wife in the kitchen and he said, you know, I've got to do something about myself here and uh, to get better. And so he did. And then he said, he, obviously, a lot of the people that do this want to uh, share their story, and hopefully they can inspire a handful of people. And I, I you know, tip my cap to him. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. And, you know, he went through a rough thing. They, they used to have these polls on the on the PGA Tour, the most unpopular player. Yeah. And he was voted the most unpopular player by almost 25% of the of the players on the tour. By his peers. By his, yeah. And, and in the book, uh, he talks about that and how that rankled him and, and that's not a moniker or a label that he wanted to walk around with for the rest of his uh, life. That, yeah, I it, and to be honest with you, I mean, when you'd see him on TV, I never thought of him like being unliked. I mean, sometimes he could be intense, but unlike the way you know he was being described in the book. And you're right, that that did bother him. And I and I also like what he said about when you know when a mic is stuck right in front of your face mm-hmm. all of a sudden you got to come up with all these answers and, and we're asking all these stupid questions it's you know it, it, and sometimes i and i've seen it many times especially in the NFL where you get these uh you get some of the the sports writers and you get some of the the sportscasters not you Lynchy, because you were just great from the get go but i've seen that happen where it was like almost like borderline harassing questions and yeah. i never understood well they're all trying to get a different or unique answer rather than the boilerplate response right so it's yeah. how many different ways can i ask the question i mean as journalists 
Lynchy and Barr, you guys know when you ask a question and you don't get the answer that you want, you ask it in a different way. Then you follow mm-hmm. it up again with a, a different question, but it's the same same point that you're making until you get something that you can run with. I always flip this thing around and said, well, how would you like it every night after you came off the set after the 6 or 11 o'clock news and there were 15 people with microphones saying, hey, Mike, you got a... Uh, you got a uh, misplaced uh, g- grammatical uh, word in there. You had a mixed metaphor, and then you got one of the scores right. What, what, what was going through your head? Mm. And I'd be like saying, get away from me. You're like a bunch of mosquitoes. Like, scram. Get out right. of Right. That was live. It's over. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, that sounds like this morning. I'm sorry. No, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Hey, guess what it's time oh, for, gang? <laughs> da, 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 da. Time for the number of the week, and we're going to keep it on a golf theme. Nice. Keeping it simple. Hideki Matsuyama, he is the money leader right now on the PGA Tour for this season. How much has he earned? Hmm. That's the question. Oh, Scott. God. So this doing, season now, I'm, I'm talking about this season. We're doing the, uh, oh, so there's a new season that started, right? This is for the, the PGA Tour money leaders in the 2022 season. So, in other words. Okay. Uh, What's the range that someone earns for a season? Uh, they can make oh, $10 million. Um, is What's the most? I, I, I'm, I'm going to say like 10 uh, I mean, the purses get bigger every year, so you can't really compare what Tiger won and Right. Ten years ago, because most of the purses now are about seven and a half million. Um, I'll I'll be fair. Uh, oh, hold on. I'll, uh, let's see. Um, we're we're, we're looking at Lynchy's brain tick through all the different possibilities here. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say like uh, two million. Scarlet. I'll go with five. Well, Lynchy's coming up on stage to play plinko. Oh. <laughs> Hideki has earned two million forty-five thousand four hundred twenty-three dollars. I, I was proud of you, though, Scar. It's like when you went high, I'm like, you know what? You're thinking big. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that usually works, but oh. Uh, second is uh, Rory McIlroy. He's at one point seventy-five million dollars so far. That's a yeah. pretty big difference. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 kind of misleading because the season it, it doesn't end in the calendar year. It ends, I right. think, in um, with the FedEx Cup playoff. Which oh, is just it's like an academic year almost. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, the, you're, that that's an excellent point. Uh, yeah. Excellent point. Yeah, it, it's it, you, it it is misleading, but you know that's why I like to say this season. Yeah, this, that was mm. that was a that was a hint. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show, and we're here each and every week at the same time, plus online wherever you get your podcast. You can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays on Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And you can find me on Twitter at Scarlet Foo. I'm Mike Lynch at Lynchy WCVB. Thank you for joining us. Tune in again next week for the latest on the stories moving big money in the world of sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. 
collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.